Everybody, Colton Juanez, SkylineSportsMT.com, Big Sky Breakdown. Thanks so much for joining us. We're down to four, four teams left in the FCS playoffs, including one from the Big Sky Conference and uh, a familiar face, the Montana State Bobcats, into the semifinals for the third fall season in a row, 2019, 2021, 2022. So it's been a great run by Montana State, a team that hadn't made it that far in the playoffs uh, since 1984 until 2019. And now one step away from their second consecutive national title game appearance. So we'll talk plenty about the Montana State-South Dakota State game. Brooks Nuanas will join me uh, for an elongated conversation about what has made this Bobcat team special, how they've been able to build this uh, culture across their athletic department and their football team. We'll also hear in this podcast from South Dakota State head coach John Stigelmeyer. He joined me on Nuanas Now, my daily radio show on ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. We'll also hear from Sam Herder who also was a Nuana's Now guest. He is the Senior FCS Analyst for Hero Sports and Bet MGM. And we'll also hear this week's Hauk highlights with musings from Montana head coach Bobby Hauk. More like answers to questions from uh, myself and other members of the media, but also uh, just a discussion about the things that Montana did well this year, the things that they were missing, the ways the Grizz can improve to reach that next level of the national elite. That's all here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Thanks to all of our great sponsors for helping present the Big Sky Breakdown. Blackfoot Communications, helping you connect to more. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. JV Restaurant Supply, your home for everything kitchen. Town Pump, right down the road. Montana's best, keeping you fueled up no matter where you're at in the Treasure State. And Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth, helping make your life more tax efficient. Brooks Nuanez, with me, Coulter Nuanez, here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown. Coulter Nuanez, Brooks Nuanez, coming to you here on a Thursday, mid-December. <laughs> and it's crazy how busy everything gets this time of year. Uh, those that have followed along here at Skyline Sports, you know that uh, Brooks and I have been doing this together for almost a decade now. And uh, we both have now full-time jobs and families and all that stuff, too. So it's uh, definitely crazy how busy it gets this time of year. For the first time all season, we will not be on hand at uh, Montana State at South Dakota State. But pending the result, uh, if Montana State is to win, we're, uh, we'll be making our way, at least I will, down to Frisco, Texas. So a uh, lot of coverage coming up for you, but it should be a fun one with one Big Sky Conference team left in the Final Four of the FCS playoffs, and, th- and that is the Bobcats. A rematch of last year's semifinal, uh, South Dakota State beat Montana, excuse me, Montana State beat South Dakota State 31-17, and uh, now MSU, the team that has to go on the road to play the top-seeded uh, Jackrabbits. First of all, Brooks, before we even get into any of this uh, Big Sky Conference stuff, have you been listening to Bill Simmons' podcast lately? Yeah, I try to. You know, he's a, he's a great voice, mostly due to his prolific nature of podcasting. They call him like the pod king, right? He's been doing it longer than anyone. So he's got a lot of... Uh, data in the library if you will so he's got a lot of good comparisons i like that stuff you know sometimes his style is not necessarily my favorite thing but i do listen to it from time to time i just didn't know if you listen to the latest one I, they're naming all the nba trophies i didn't know this like and so now that it's just funny though because like he was saying what happens when lebron james retires and you got to have one of the trophies named after lebron so then you get to replace one of the names you know like he was saying the finals mvp being named after bill russell Forever is cool. That's sweet because Bill Russell never got to win a, a finals MVP. But now we got like the George Mikan most improved player. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like it's such a weird deal. I don't know why they're doing that. And he, he was perplexed by it as well. 
Yeah, I thought his take, I did listen to it, I thought his take that Adam Silver's trying to prove something to somebody was pretty interesting, because I think that's probably true. You want to stay relevant, especially if you're the commissioner, the face of, of such a dynamic league. Roger Goodell makes so many influential decisions. In baseball, you know, the past three commissioners have been pretty influential. Yeah. But basketball has, like, direct impact on the game day-to-day, and also, like, they can truly affect change differently because of the smaller sense of the league. The Players Association is all everyone in the league, it's only 330 people. The NFL is huge. You know, you start to vote. You start talking about thousands of players. Um, So the NBA is a little you can, you know, you can lobby to smaller populations. So it's really important. I think the naming of the trophies is is really dumb, too. They always say that it's to put people in in memoriam to remember them. The only people who know that the Bill Russell trophy is named the Bill Russell trophy ain't forgetting Bill Russell. (laughs) It's such such a good point, right? You know, at some point, sometimes then if it's every trophy's name, then the ones that are named lose their resonance. I mean, Bill Russell, Kobe Bryant the all-star game mvp trophy i mean those are cool that's good seems like uh just overload uh having more of them named the bill russell one's good because bill russell is the greatest champion of all time and doesn't have a finals mvp because the trophy there wasn't a finals mvp award so it's a little bit in you're giving the award in retrospect you're looking at it saying bill russell is the greatest mvp NBA Finals MVP of all time, but he never won one, so that's a nod. Kobe has the most all-star appearances. His death as one of the five or six greatest players of all time, that's in memoriam. George Mikan is the most improved player. Like, what are we even talking about? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting for sure. Um, we do not have our uh, weekly betting segment on Nuanas now, but Brooks has still been dive it into all of his uh, NFL picks. And uh, so we won't waste much time on this, Brooks. But yeah, you've been asking me about uh, home dogs for the last couple weeks. And uh, we've also been trying to figure out where the upset's going to come because last week there was a couple upsets that really thwarted what we thought was going to be a really good week overall. Uh, what are your main tips this week? Or what do you think of just the NFL betting week? I think that there's some favorites that are kind of smashed this week. My power rankings kind of sit with, with in not in any particular order, the Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Bills. And those are all teams that are favored by more than a touchdown this week. Those are high numbers. We talk about how scary that can be. But Kansas City on the road at Houston, I think Kansas City is going to have a statement game at some point. You know, they wanted to have one against the Broncos last week, went up 21 nothing, smashing the Broncos, best defense in the league or one of. Um, and the Broncos come back and make it a game and only lose by six, and the Chiefs don't even cover. I think the Chiefs are going to want to make a statement game and go score 45 sometime. That very well could be against the Texans, though they've been good against the pass. The Eagles in Chicago, again, I think that they're going to be continue to roll. Uh, that'll be a cold weather game. We'll see how that goes. Dolphins traveling to Buffalo um, in a game that is predicted for a decent amount of snow, a low over-under. Josh Allen appears to, and has been talked about his elbow injury, um, which is not you know not season-threatening or game-threatening, getting better. I don't really love the Dolphins in a snow game after they've lost, I believe, three in a row, definitely two in a row. Um, kind of on this like slide. The Ravens and the Dolphins are both sliding out of the seventh position in the wild card. be kind of crazy with the Dolphins and the run they've been to miss the playoffs this year that's kind of shaping up to look like that a divisional game not not really a must-win game but all three teams i just mentioned the eagles already clinched the other two teams can clinch i think that when you have an opportunity to clinch um in week 15 with two three full games left i think that you go ahead and do it it's a narrative that we talk about a lot that nobody else really seems to touch on the national media is hardly ever talking about it it seems like there's like an eight to ten week uh window in which if you're doing something new and innovative that people haven't seen before, or you just have any any sort of unique nature to your offense, 
it takes about half a season for somebody to crack the code. But then once somebody does crack the code in the NFL, then everybody else just copies it. That's exactly what happened to the Dolphins. They were scoring 40 on everybody, and then people just decided, okay, what do these guys do? RPO, they they put the ball into a Tonga Vailoa's hands and have him use his rocket arm to throw the ball as hard as he can over the middle or as hard as he can up the seam. And if you just take those throws away and make him throw the outside – uh, all of a sudden their offense becomes a lot more pedestrian and they, they look like they did uh, on Sunday Night Football this last week. And, uh, I mean, make no mistake, the Chargers are good, but also the Chargers copied that. So I, it's just interesting how, like, there's just this shelf life for everybody, and that's what makes the all-time greats so great, right? Like Mahomes, he wrote it for, like, 18 games before somebody figured out, oh, here's how we do it. And then he saw that shell, the soft shell, for, like, a season – and he was a little bit less of what he was, and now he's just figured it back out again. That's what makes the all-time greats great, though, is when they can punch through the ceiling. But Lamar Jackson has sort of hit this wall, too. He's continued to innovate himself just because he's such a great athlete. But then you wonder, you know, as Coach Marty was saying, Marty Mornoweg on our Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty, like he was saying, if Lamar ever loses a step, then he's he's not 4-3 Lamar Jackson. He's 4-6 Lamar Jackson, and that's he's just a, a average NFL quarterback at that point then, too. So uh, it's just interesting how there's just these like small windows. Uh, anything else on the NFL before we get to the, the Cats and South Dakota State? Um, I think that the adjustments you're talking about, Colt, are pretty interesting. Nod to Mike Leach. I've been reading so much about Mike Leach, uh, who passed away this week, and uh, untimely, sad. You know, I think that Mike Leach can be polarizing at times, to say the least, right? But... Um, I didn't think it would make me feel as sad as it did. Uh, what a bummer. And, you know, people's affection for him in the coaching world and kind of talking about how much influence he's had in the game is so impressive and so important. But what you're talking about with Patrick Mahomes and what we're seeing across all of NFL, um, all of football, is that too high shell, a 4-2-5 defense, what Montana State's running, what we're going to talk about here shortly, um, South Dakota State what South Dakota State runs, and guess what? The only reason the 4-2-5 became uh, in vogue is because of Mike Leach's offense, um, because it is the one thing that you can stop multiple downfield threats by still being able to, to to play the run effectively if you have good linebackers. So um, that is an NFL thing that is going to continue. Everyone's running the shell. Every, no one's running single high safety anymore. Even even teams like the Chargers with Derwin James and um, if you have some, you know, the Bills with, with, with Micah Hyde and Jordan Boyer who are neither are healthy, especially with Micah Hyde, but they are even with true free safety still running shells. Um, the one team that I'm interested in this week that you and I have wa- uh, kind of wavered on is the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Now there's two weeks of Brock Purdy film out. Smash is two good teams. You know, the Bucks are really struggling. But, you know, I've read some pro football focus rankings that have the Bucks as the 11th best team in the, in the, in the league just by kind of the, the analytics of it, just because defensively they have dudes that run and bang. So, But Smash is the Bucks. you know, 35 or 42-7, 35-7, whatever that was. Now they go play Thursday night football against the Seahawks, Sculptor. In two weeks of film, you assume that Brock Purdy is now going to be figured out. The Seahawks have been terrible on defense. I could totally see it being a shootout. I kind of like the Niners, too, just because they're going to try to make a statement with Christian McCaffrey. Debo Samuel's out. I could really see this a pound the rock. You got three extra days off. I love Seattle there. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. I'd probably even buy them up a little bit. I think they win by a touchdown. Um, so if you're out of machine, hit the, hit some Seattle uh, or hit some uh, San Francisco over Seattle on Thursday night. 
Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Big Sky Breakdown, presented in part by JNV Restaurant Supply. If you're having a big family party this holiday season, JNV has everything you need. Uh, they are your home for everything kitchen. They have three locations across the state of Montana Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. Or you can check them out online, JVRestaurant.com. Appreciate JNV Restaurant Supply uh, for their continued support of us here uh, at Skyline Sports. And, uh, Shout out to the guy Ian, who's uh, one of the guys there at JMD Restaurant Supply, the new uh, ESPN Plus guy uh, for basketball. But enjoy listening to Ian; he's doing great. Ian, if you're listening, I hope you are, man. I've been loving listening to you. You're you're doing awesome, and it's been refreshing to have some really good insight. Someone who clearly knows the program, but also knows the game, and man, really enjoy it. Yeah, keep up the good work. Uh, fun having a uh, friend of ours at Skyline Sports also now be in the uh, the broadcasting game. Always cool uh, catching up with Ian, and you hear from him time to time here. Uh, Big Sky Breakdown and Nuana's now as well. So happy for him. And uh, he's always telling, he's been texting me for 10 years. I'm, I'm going to get a job as the voice of the Bobcats for some sport. And I'm like, dude, just keep going for it. Keep going for it. Now he's got it. So pretty cool. You can find uh, his calls on uh, ESPN Plus stream for both uh, Montana State men's and women's uh, basketball. Brooks, I was thinking uh, about the the top storylines and memories from the big sky conference from this last year i did a little segment on it on my show on, on nuana's now last week or i guess earlier this week got me thinking about how one of the defining memories of this calendar year was montana state going to frisco and it's pretty crazy that one of the defining memories of this calendar year was eight days into this calendar year and now here we are like 350 something days later or maybe 340 something days later uh, from the bobcats playing north dakota state but the uh, the game that got them there was that was this year. Hey, Brooks doesn't realize this. That was this year. Yeah, that was this year. Uh, one year, crazy. We did a lot of stuff this year, bro. Yeah, yeah Brooks and I both uh, we both bought houses and uh, scaled skyline, and uh, we both got full time jobs on top of that too. So it's been a, a crazy busy year. It's it's crazy how long ago and short ago that seems at the exact same time. But I was thinking also how long it seems that Tommy Mallott has been the man at Montana State. And then you really realize that he's only truly like affirmatively been the man for a year and a week. You know, even this coming out of the Sam Houston game, you're sitting there thinking, okay, man, like they caught lighting in a ball. They punched Sam Houston State right in the face, 28 nothing in the first quarter. But is, is it sustainable? We both thought that Cats were going to get smashed by South Dakota State last year in the semifinals of the playoffs. And then Tommy Mallott like morphs into some sort of crazy superhero. And the best, most complete game still to this point that he's had in his college career was against South Dakota State last year. He threw for 200 and some, 250-something yards, 
rushed for 160 more. I mean, 30-something carries. Isaiah Fonse is on the bench. Ty Okada's on the bench. All these guys are out. And uh, that's when he really uh, carried Montana State. It was sort of like the true affirmation that Tommy Mallott is going to be the dude for MSU. Uh, that South Dakota State game, though, seems like such a distant memory, but pretty much a year ago to the day when they play the Jacks again in Brookings on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember my exact prediction of that game, but I, I do know that the the combination in the backfield for South Dakota State of Pierre Strong, Isaiah Davis, and Christian Oladokun at quarterback a running back that gets drafted in the third round, and Pierre Strong. Isaiah Davis is going to get drafted. Yep. Um, Christian Oladukon, I believe, spent some time, had a cup of coffee in the NFL, drafted by the Steelers, seventh-round pick. That combination there of a team that, you know, those guys were all older, had played, they'd been there, they'd been in national championships, they'd been battling North Dakota State. That was what probably, you know, flipped the tide. Montana State, where they're at right now, all stems from that that game. You know, the, the rise of their program to national dominance not even just relevance um really started obviously on that playoff run when you punch sam houston in the face like they did a team that's trans uh that that's going up to the fbs it's not gonna be a part of football anymore all that was nice and fun but you had to go beat south dakota state um and they did emphatically and the you know what i probably think of as troy anderson's most famous play he's got a ton of them man but in the first quarter zero zero of you know the the jacks are on what the 10 yard line 12 yard line uh fourth and one they hand it off to isaiah davis their power back troy gets in the hole side side shuffles to the left completely sprints to a dude that's in concrete boots one of the most athletic guys in the entire country in isaiah davis and just blows him up and it was that play where you said there is no more league ready guy that we have ever covered except that play right there and that is you know it, it was quintessential if you knew him but it was also so big for the moment and then they took that momentum from that play and just completely hammered the jacks um and Tommy Malak did exactly what you explained Lance McCutcheon had a nice game those things really you know launched Montana State to where they're at right now they get to play in a rematch you got to assume the jacks are hungry for that right and then the fun part is next september 6th next year Colter, they go down to brookings again and get to play for a you know a third time kind of the rubber match so i think that these programs are on a collision course in many ways athletic department wise leon costello from montana state spending so much time at south dakota state um well it'll be very interesting to see brent vegan has not been outwitted in any game he has coached in period Point blank, flat out, not even close. And now he's got John Stiglmeyer, 26, 27 years at the helm. Uh, there is no one that will be more prepared than John Stiglmeyer to face a team like Brent Vegan has. We uh, normally don't do this, but I thought Brent Vegan gave a great quote about Tommy Malott's emergence and that South Dakota State game. So we'll listen to that right here. Here's Brent Vegan on uh, Tommy Malott's uh, breakout performance against SDSU last year. That fast start at Sam Houston was was a little bit of a transformation, but then ultimately putting that that game together where there was so much on his shoulders. Um, you know, you flipped the film in from last year, and um, we were pretty thin at running back. Um, you know, so he was he was our running back. He made some really good throws. Uh, Lance Nate Stewart made some plays on the other end, um, but but Tommy really played a. Uh, a game that would reflect beyond his his two games of experience really coming into that one. And, you know, he, uh, I, in a lot of ways, he was the best player on the field that day. You know, uh, 
whether it was the design runs, the uh, the throws he made, or then the the broken plays that he really hurt them with. And, and so, you know, I think uh, they're going to obviously be more aware of who he is and what he can do than, than they were last year. I, I know that, um, you know, I feel better about where we're at health-wise. Uh, you know, Isaiah didn't play in that game. Uh, Derek Snell was the other one that hardly played when you flipped the film on. Uh, on offense, you know, Ty Chase didn't play on defense. Um, that's the nature of this this time of year, I guess. But um, we have more guys I think we can lean on this year. But, yeah, they're definitely going to be aware of what number four can do. I was uh, thinking about – I'm right now – we'll post our first look as soon as we possibly can uh, here. But we always have a, a part of their, of that uh, story each week about the uh, the head coach for the opposing team playing either Montana or Montana State. And uh, you mentioned John Stiglmeyer. This is his 26th season as the head coach at South Dakota State. Uh, Brooks, he's been either the defensive coordinator or the head coach since you were born. Uh, he was the, His first year as the D.C. was in 1991. He's been at SDSU, period, since I was one years old. He's been there since 1988. So uh, pretty cool, pretty crazy to see a guy you know go from recruiting coordinator to defensive coordinator to now head coach for 26 years. And uh, this is his best team. I think this is John Singlemeyer's most complete team. He's had some great teams in the past with some, some great star power. Um, but this in terms of, I mean, you look across the board. I mean, you mentioned Isaiah Davis. He's probably going to get drafted. Tucker Craft, their big tight end. He's certainly going to probably be in the mix at least to get drafted. I would say he's going to get drafted. Their their other their backup tight end is going to be a league guy someday. I mean, that's been sort of the story too. They've had multiple league tight ends for a while now, five, six years. I mean, they've had as many league guys as anybody. You know, talk about uh, Zach Zenner and Jake Weineke and and some of the great players. You know, Dallas Goddard, they've had some really, really good dudes there. Uh, I mean, Christian Roseboom, one of the best linebackers we've seen. He's he's still in the NFL too. So they, they definitely uh, have talent. But um, it's it's so funny because – the Montana Montana State thing they always take from each other, and in the South Dakota State North Dakota State rivalry, North Dakota State's just won it all every year, so they've overshadowed South Dakota State no matter how good South Dakota State's been. But I was looking at it; it it surprised me. I know they've been so solid, but this this is their fifth Final Four since 2017. Their fifth Final Four in the last six years. They did play in the the spring season, so they got an extra chance at it, but. Pretty crazy to think that they've been consistently so good, especially uh, towards the end part, or the, I guess the latter part of John Stiglmeyer's career. Yeah, they have a defined cult- culture, um, and it, it is one of of toughness. They recruit really well. They they have they've done a really good job as a department and an institution of of rebranding themselves. Yeah. Um, they have great color schemes, a good logo. You change to the you know you call yourself the Jacks, not the Jack Rabbits. Um, Across the board, they've done a really good job of kind of putting their stamp on the modern era of Division One football at, in Brookings, South Dakota. And I think that football matters in places like that a lot. So you can recruit locally. You can also have that little – you have a little bit more of a touch into the Midwest and what we would kind of call the eastern part of the United States up you know, into Minnesota and Chicago and, and places um, that have you know 
big population bases, but also some football tradition. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if they can continue to hold on to it. I think another thing, Colter, that's that's helped them, and we saw this with Montana State and Montana, is if you are chasing something like North Dakota State, they pull you along with them. Yeah. If you can keep up in some fat, form or fashion, just like any runner knows, if you get to the finals, you're going to run your fastest time because everyone's going to pull you along, even if you don't win. Yeah. Um, so I think that's been a huge factor um, in state, South Dakota has always been good, but I think North Dakota State's really you know put a carrot out in front of them. Yeah, it is so interesting, and uh, you know now that it's very clear that Montana State has moved ahead of Montana. You're right, Montana State chased Montana, but like basically across the board in higher education for years, and uh, now that they've moved ahead of them a little bit, you wonder when Montana actually acknowledges that and tries to play chase themselves if they can actually chase the the carrot. Um, the one thing we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, and I think it's just worth reemphasizing, is just the vibe around this this Bobcat team. I think that's the thing that Montana State, as an athletic department, is is finally starting to turn the corner in. Is there is no underdog mentality, or like, holy cow, we're happy to be here, or you know, this has just been so magical. I think that they like got through that pretty quickly, and now, like, you see. Montana State's women's basketball team, for example, I think that, I mean, they are, as voted by the media and the coaches, the, the preseason favorites in the big sky, but they also act like it, and they're playing like it. And I think this Bobcat football team, too, the fact that the Grizz were the ones that were picked to win the league and the fact that the Cats were picked to finish third in the league, even though they, they played for the national championship, I actually think it's been something that has been good for this team because I think that they have this sort of internal confidence, and to me, that's the thing that is the biggest difference. There's not a... You know, we truly hope that we can believe. They truly believe. And I think that that's, uh, to me, the biggest difference. What to you is the biggest difference of Montana State this year compared to years past? Well, if we're going to talk about institutionally, I it starts with leadership and always has at Montana State. And that's what's propelled them to the place they're at now. Um, you know, you get that mentality you talked about, Coulter, when you have the influx of energy from Jeff Choate um, at his time at Montana State. There was a bunch of, well, by golly, hope that we can be okay someday. And Jeff Choate came in and literally said, I'm going to punch anyone in the face who doesn't think we're awesome. <laughs> and it, it changed the athletic department. Even if no one wanted to talk to him, even if like he was just busting down doors and everyone was kind of like, who is this dude? There was this mentality of, well, if we don't have to be on the front line but and he'll be there by himself, we can all just follow? Like, by God, let's do that. We're in. Montana State women's basketball has always been good, but then you, you bring in Danny Sprinkle and, and you continue to develop leaders. Um, it starts there. The biggest difference I see, Coulter, across the athletic department, but specifically in football, is you play with confidence. Sure, you can play with toughness. That's all good. That's all good and well. They have fun, yeah. and so many programs around the country choose not to because they think that. You can't have fun and be tough at the same time. They have a really hard time understanding that. If we're going to compare Montana's struggle with that for the last better part of a decade, but definitely the last five years, all programs, they're struggling to find a way to have joy because there's a lack of confidence somewhere in there. So there's hesitation, there's stress, there's all these feelings. And you see that in other programs too. We'll see some upstart programs in the Big Sky every single year. And by the time we get to the Big Sky Conference basketball tournament, you're like, how is that team fourth? How is Southern Utah women in fourth right now? And then you watch them like, oh, because they have fun. Oh, they just have a really good time. They all love each other. They all believe in it. That's really helpful. Montana State football has done that. 
The, one of the biggest differences is they have a bunch of guys that are all the same in their mentality. They used to be that you'd recruit guys and hope that they would change to your culture. You recruit guys to your culture, but there would always be some outliers. There'd always be a transfer that didn't fit in. There'd always, there's been this expectation set that now, even if you feel that you're different or you know you are, you still find a way to fit in. And even if that's just having fun. Um, I've never seen a team who is so physically tough who smiles so much. Anywhere from Danny Yu, Ty Okada, Rush Reimer, JT Reed. I'm staring down the barrel, looking at these guys dead in their face. The only thing that my brain can see is just their face. And guess what they're doing? They're smiling. It's so true, man. And I think that, I mean, that's like what my next question was going to be is how the, I think that Brent Vegan has talked about this every week and people just haven't made it into that big of a talking point when you talk about the Bobcats, but it's that this year's group of sixth year seniors on MSU, they're an extension of last year's senior class because a lot of those guys came in at the same time. It's just a matter of when their red shirts hit. But guys like RJ Fitzgerald and, and Tyrell Thomas, they were playing as true freshmen with Troy Anderson in twenty seventeen. They just happened to like have an injury later that then extended their careers to make them sixth year guys. But also they don't have they coming into the year there wasn't like this crazy star power that was associated with last year's Montana State senior class. And so for whatever reason, even though th- these guys are ex- exceptional players and people around the league know that, I mean, Callan O'Reilly is a first-team all-league guy. Ty O'Connor is a second-team all-league guy. Um, but it is their their consistency and leadership, like you just described, uh, that it has set them apart and I think helped set the Bobcats apart too. I mean, I think that's the part about this team. You know, I've heard from a lot of people lately – how good is Montana State going to be? Well, they're going to be really good because they have a, all of their best talent is in their sophomore class. I mean, Tommy Malott's a sophomore. Bertie Greeby's a sophomore. Sebastian Valdez is a sophomore. The whole offensive line is sophomores and freshmen. You know, they have so much good young talent. But they're going to have to figure out a way to replace this group of leaders because I do think it's a very distinct dynamic when your best talent is your younger players, but your best leaders are these guys that are all, like you're saying, so consistent and the same. And I think, I mean, I think that'll be the biggest challenge for Montana State moving forward because in certain ways, this group of seniors is, is even better leaders than last year's was, partly because they can do it as a group sort of collectively together. <laughs> I think that's really good insight, Coulter. And to be honest, I'm not I'm not doom and gloom here, right? I'm just can provide perspective and and um, you know a window into things that can happen, not will happen. But that leadership, I don't know if it is replaceable. Right. I think you you only get it every now and then, once a decade, maybe twice a decade. And if you get it three or four times, like NDSU has, you make these kind of runs, right? So I don't know if you can replace it. And I think that that's why there is no more important game that the Cats have ever played in program history than on Saturday because I think that this is the team. I think that you have this mix of young guys with leaders, and I think that this is the kind of team that you win a national championship with. Um, Can they be good? Can they make Final Four runs again? I think absolutely. I think that there will be some leadership that can be replaced. But overall, I think that you you were rolling so hard right now, it's, it's beyond house money. I don't know if I'd call this like, you know, a team of destiny, but by God, man, when you have what you have right now, you got to do everything you can to win a game like you get a chance to play on Saturday, and you got to keep rolling. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications, 
uh, has helped us with so many different things. Got a bunch of fun stuff courtesy of Blackfoot coming up in 2023. We'll let you know about that as soon as we can. Uh, but be sure you subscribe to our Blackfoot Communications uh, newsletter. And uh, if you have a small business that wants uh, development or any sort of networking, fiber, internet, anything like that, let Blackfoot Communications help you connect to more. The last thing I have on that point too, Coulter, is I think that Brent Vegan has done such a good job, and I would love to kind of talk about him as a whole, um, his style and what that all looks like. I think that you know you can pose that and speak to that as well as anybody of of developing a program where leadership is not plug and play by any means, but it can be developed in different styles because of him as the hierarchy of this program. I'm talking about those guys being so joyous and smiling on the field because they're so stress-free. Well, guess who's taking all the stress on? It's him. He's on the sidelines, stressed as heck. He's taking all of those bullets. He's staying emotionally even, keeled, but he is the one that has all of the big-picture game plan in his head, all of the big-picture season plan in his head, and he lets his guys go play loose and free. That's why they're so happy and enjoying it. I think that if you tell a team and a program that, the leaders they need are the guys that are going to be playing the fastest, rallying to the football, and having the most fun. That you can develop a bunch of different kinds of leaders. You don't have to be vocal like Tommy Malott is oftentimes not. You don't have to be a certain way in any facet of the game because he'll take so much of that on. I think that's been so impressive to watch. Okay, so matchups-wise, Montana State's run the ball on everybody. South Coast State's got the best run defense in the country. They're giving up 85 yards a game, only 5.8 or 2.8 yards per carry, excuse me. Uh, but Montana State, I mean, <laughs> it's funny because playing Montana State literally ruined the defensive statistics of multiple teams this year, namely Weber State and Montana. I mean, Weber's given up in the teens for points and, and probably 100 yards a game on the ground, and that those got spiked because they gave up 1,000 to Montana State having to play them twice. I guess realistically they gave up like – what 700 they gave up 734 yards to montana state and under 1100 yards to the rest of, of their schedule it's crazy and then the grizz gave up almost a thousand yards down the stretch in their season and they gave up 439 yards to the cats and so that definitely will skew your your rushing statistics uh i thought brett vegan did a great job of describing south dakota state's defense he said first and foremost they're exceptionally principled so that you never, ever, 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 ever see a guy out of the wrong gap with the wrong leverage. Do your job. That, I mean, I've interviewed John Stigelmeyer 25 times now, and I always ask him, what are the keys for you guys defensively? And he says, do your job. That's what he always it's, – it's the same thing over and over. Not flashy by any means. Um, but then they also do a great job, and both Vegan and Stigelmeyer said this, up front, front seven, they do a great job getting off blocks. What do we hear from Bobby Houck and Jay Hill times two over the last month? The reason we couldn't stop them is because we couldn't get off blocks. The cat offensive line, <laughs> like Mike London said last week, William and Mary's head coach, he said they just engulf you. It's true. Uh, what do we think of this matchup, though? I mean, something's got to bend be when Montana State's coming in rushing for 335 and South Dakota State's giving up 85 a game. Yeah, I mean, Montana State's running for 300 yards. <clears throat> I, it, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, weather pending – Obviously, that doesn't matter. I mean, last week in Bozeman was the one of the coldest games I've ever photographed. It was in the 10s, like maybe 15 at peak. Um, it was cold. It was a little windy. The field was sheet ice. Montana State, 
go check out some photos, guys. They had this great idea of buying literally 1998 throwback Reebok AstroTurf shoes, and they all wore them. A couple guys didn't. Every single dude has AstroTurf shoes on. Completely different cleats. So then you have William and Mary out there with five little spikes on their cleats just ice skating. And don't get me wrong, it's still slick with AstroTurf, but we're talking about little nubs. They look like the new golf shoes these days. No spikes, no points, all little nubs. Um, so they have some you know things up their sleeve, and they've practiced outside a whole lot. South Dakota State, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, they have an indoor practice facility. Montana State's been playing the weather all year, so that won't affect them. Montana State's running for 300 yards. There is no way that you can stop it. Um, that's the whole key here. It's been my point this entire season, especially the last six or seven weeks. Montana State is putting up 35 points. I've changed my, my narrative. Montana State's putting up 40 points. Maybe not against South Dakota State, but my narrative has been Montana State puts up 35 points. What do you do about it? Um, the most interesting thing, why they engulf you, Coulter, is – most teams, when they have creative run blocking, can usually put a double team on one of the better players and then go off of that. Press the edge, use that double team, um, get someone to the double team into the second level and create a little seam. Montana State, with the plus one run game, can double team two different players. and Because then they don't care if they have a one-on-one of an unblocked guy because they're willing to take that. That's what every other running scheme has is usually... The quarterback is out of it. You have 10 on 11. There's one unblocked defender, and the running back's got to beat them or the, or the quarterback. In this sense, they can literally double-team two different players and still get one-on-ones that they're really effective in winning. So, man, something's got to give. I imagine it's going to be a little bit of, of a push and take and give and go in the first couple possessions. I could see a couple punts early on. But when Montana State wants to open it up, there's I, I just don't know what you can do about it. Yeah, it's uh... – I was really watching because we were talking about it last week, so I was really focusing on it against the in the William and Mary game. And Montana State does not only do they press and set the edge, but you're talking about unblocked defenders. So so often that I mean that's what the the origination of like the Chip Kelly Oregon zone read is is you leave the nose unblocked. Nobody ever thought of that. You read the DN, but you leave the inside guy unblocked, and then you got to just beat him. Well, the Cats do that, but in a completely different way because they leave the whole back side of the D-line unblocked because they don't care. Because when the whole wall moves to the right side and the wide side of the field, or even when they run to the short side, that's when they really kill people because everybody just gets caught in the wash. And now you've eliminated eight defensive guys by only using seven offensive players. And so now you have multiple lead blockers as a caravan and you're going three-on-three three in the open field, and all the running back has to do is cut back. That's why they get so many explosive plays. It's because of the speed, but also because they're just so willing to just let those backside guys get washed up. And you saw it. I mean, like we were watching William & Mary warm up. We were both like, whoa, they got dudes on the front seven. Well, it doesn't matter the dudes on the front seven. It doesn't matter how fast you are. When the play is already 13 yards away by the time you even read it, it it's over for you. You already are gone, even if, even if you are athletic and can get off blocks. There's no block to get off of because they left you in the dust. 100%. And that lead block situation, Colter, like there's been teams, I always mostly watch the game north to south, so I see it, you know, different from the TV view, but there'll be plays where I'm like, oh, dang, defense played that pretty well. Second and second, and second, uh, second and two. I'm like, they got eight yards on that? I thought the defense played that as, as well as they could have. They did everything they could to stop that play, and they still got eight yards. They're averaging seven and a half yards a carry because every now and then they'll have two plays that go for, you know, neutral yards, no yards, um, at the line of scrimmage, stuffed, st- stuffed in a pile. But as you mentioned, Coulter, the amount of times I'm trying to get Isaiah and Fonse in the hole, the hole is either 10 yards wide, yeah. 
and it's like it's like a, you could drive a freaking semi truck through it, or I can't see him because there's two or three lead blockers just sprinting free down the field. That's why I've been so impressed with. I thought Derek Snell got a lot of love this year. I think it's well deserved. I'm starting to really wonder if Derek Snell is uh, Montana State tight end is, is a borderline NFL guy. I mean, his body, his ability to run, his ability to block, his physicality, his love for physicality is darn impressive. But I cannot tell you. I think the most underrated guy on the offense, Coulter is Trayton Pickering. I really do. I think that he has been the most effective blocker for what his what his role could be, has been, should be, all of the things. There's a lot of options. And what he is committed to and what he's been able to do on the edge, oftentimes in the power pair, he is off the line of scrimmage and a little bit wider. So he has to reach even farther. He is expected to get to the second level in a different way. I have been so impressed with him. And then just when you don't think it, he's might as well be a hybrid offensive lineman. I mean, God, he's big. And then they'll throw him the football and he's catching touchdowns. So so impressed by if you're, you know, eleventh guy, tenth best player on offense who's unsung is one of the best tight ends in the country. I mean, you got a good thing going. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a Scotty, JMV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. If you can't make it in, JMV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist. Big Sky Breakdown, presented in part by Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth. Let Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth make your life more tax efficient. If you are a business owner, you got to have a business succession plan. Heaven forbid you pass away, but you got to have somebody be able to, to take over your business fluidly and uh, efficiently. Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth, they can help you with any business succession plan, and uh, they can also help make your life more tax efficient. Uh, Bobcat defense has been better. Uh, the last, I, I would say, since the Northern Arizona game, the first weekend of November, last co- several times out, they've been pretty good, and in fact, really good. I thought they've been opportunistic at the very least in playmaking. And uh, in these last couple of games, they've had some more unique pressures. I mean, Ty Okada's got three sacks the last two weeks, so you can tell they're doing some different stuff too. Where have you seen them turn a corner? Why, they, why does it seem like they've been better? Well, I think that they've been playing with leads, which really helps. Um, they've been playing really well in the secondary, which I think really helps. Ron Ort helps. Um, you know, he's he's been a you know, it's so interesting to see a guy who hasn't played all year. He comes in and you can tell he's a little rusty, and then you're like, we can be critical of a defense, but you're like, dang, all these other dudes around are playing at a pretty high level, and we think he's really good. And he, you can obviously tell that he's not the same level as everyone else because of the momentum you build, kind of the you know, you get into that zone. Um, I think that the number one thing that they've done, Colter, is that they've played teams where they are, they have the ability to put Ty Okada in positions to make plays. They keep isolating him, offenses do, of like, well, we'll just go away from this guy. We'll get this guy in coverage and then just not go towards him. Um, and now they've put him at the line of scrimmage. Weber State runs a ton of slants. So they just put 
Ort and, and Okada just rolling up to stand right outside that, the, the edge player and jump up and try to bat play balls, um, really be distracting. And then also in any kind of run situation, you can just read that and, and pretty much blitz, you know, audible into a blitz. I think that that's probably been their most effective piece is get a little bit of depth um, with Danny Yu coming back, who's been a good player. You know, I've, I've thought that he is, was put on a pedestal in a way that I thought was interesting. If you have three or four linebackers in that program, I didn't think that he was maybe the best Mike option, and they rolled with him all year, got banged up, came back. I thought that he's played at a pretty high level. And then Callahan O'Reilly continues to get better, man. He's, he's like a fine wine, just keeps aging and getting you know stronger as the season goes on, like he's done for his entire career. I mean, what a story, dude. Like, watching him play quarterback as a freshman, like, I was pretty unimpressed. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was like, this dude's not D1 at, like, in any facet. And he goes on to be one of the best linebackers in the league. Like, pretty dominant player. So those things all, I think, are pretty interesting. The other thing that um, I think a lot of folks um, are have asked me and they're kind of wondering is where's Sebastian Valdez? Why is he not playing uh, like he was? Why is he not in the backfield getting sacks and tackles for loss? Because everyone in the house is triple team him. Everyone who's watching film was like, we got to deal with this dude. Can't just leave this guy, this sophomore who hasn't played. We can't leave him on an island. So it opens up a lot of a lot of seams. Well, for sure. And I mean, I asked John Stiglmeyer. I mean, John Stig's the, the master of numbers. He doesn't, he's never known anybody's name. I don't actually, actually don't even know if he knows his guys' names besides like the quarterbacks. <laughs> he knows a few of them, but he's always talking guys' numbers, always. And, uh, you know, even when it was Troy Anderson, he was always number 15. But Valdez was the first guy that, uh, that Stig po- pointed out when I had him on the show, uh, the Nuanas Now show earlier this week. Um, I think that. Uh, the other part of Montana State's defensive uh, improvements have been that a lot of the young guys on the D-line have been playing a lot more and a lot better. Paul Brott's a legitimately good player, uh, and that's a good option on the inside there. And uh, Hunter Parsons has been good, too. With Brody Greeby out, Hunter Parsons has gotten more snaps, and he's been he's been okay, which is, like gives you another option there. Um, so, I, yeah, they, they have improved uh, defensively. Uh, for sure, and it'd be interesting to see how they're tested against South Dakota State because South Dakota State always has all these like borderline pro skill players, and sometimes they really like let it rip, but other times it's just sort of like methodical, and and that's why like, your premise like South Dakota State just loves winning thirty one seventeen or whatever thirty one fourteen, and they're never just winning like fifty five to whatever. I mean, sometimes I guess, but they don't let it rip as much. So you just wonder how, how that matchup is, is going to play out. I think Montana State is going to be at a disadvantage on the perimeter when they're on defense, but uh, a lot of their guys play their best. I mean, Simeon Woodard, always, Simeon Woodard excuse me, always seems to play his best ball uh, in the playoffs, and uh, he proved it again last week, had a pick. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, la- one more point on that? Yeah, please. Um, I, I, I think that there's obviously a lot of options for how this game is going to play out and what South Dakota State's going to want to do. If I was a betting man, Coulter, I think South Dakota State is going to try to be methodical and they're going to try to, to you know wear down the Cats. You saw it against um, Holy Cross is that that game was tight all the way to the fourth quarter and they scored two touchdowns and blow them out, right? That they've, do that, they've done that to a lot of teams where the final score is not indicative of the game flow. I think that that was, you know, speaking from the Montana State side, I think if South Dakota State thinks that they're going to Win a drag, uh, drag out, bat, you know, running battle against Montana State, uh, twenty-one to fourteen or twenty-eight to seventeen. I think that they're probably mistaken. I think that if 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 South Dakota State, weather pending, decides to not 
you know, air it out a little bit and decides to not try to score and get in a shootout. Um, I think that that was going to play into the favor of the Cats because, again, no matter what happens, even if it's a tight game or they only have 10 points in the first half, Montana State's going to score over 30. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com, presented in part by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Okay, last question for you, Brooks. Sometimes there's a... One of the things we love about sports is when there's like magic associated with a season or a run. And uh, you know, even if the magic ends abruptly like it did for the Cats last year in Frisco, you still could feel it for that team going there. And North Dakota State's had a certain element of magic for a decade plus, but they've also just had like a dominant plan that they can just re-execute over and over and over again. But I find this semifinal matchup in Brookings fascinating because I think both teams have an element of magic. The Cats have sort of this uh, won't-be-beat attitude they talk about all the time. Now they have this angel watching over them in Sunny Holland. And then South Dakota State, I mean, this is the best team, uh, the, one of the most complete teams, that, you know, the, the first team to be the absolute definitive favorite, the first team to be the number one overall seed. And John Sigelmeyer has been there for 26 years, and who knows how much longer he's going to coach and, uh, you know, first time the semis have been there in Brookings with a, a premier team coming in and, and all these different things. They've hosted semifinal games before, but this is the, this is the premier playoff matchup that's ever come to, to South Dakota State. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think this is the national championship game that's being played on Saturday in Brookings. I mean, North Coast State's definitely going to have something to say about that. But which side of those magic is going to weigh out? I mean, win, win and one for the, the guy who's maybe in his twilight years as a coach or – you know, on the other side, uh, you know, winning one for Sonny Holland or whatever you want the narrative for the Bobcats to be. Montana State's run has been special, man, and, and uh, the the tremendous fan support culture has been it's been pretty it's been pretty impressive. It uh, we we used to talk about we we travel around to go to big games. Uh, Washington Grizz is insane. Uh, Montana Grizzly fans are just absolutely you know rabid and just they get after it. And we always said Montana State was more about cowbells, and you know the party was always good after the game, no matter what happened, and all that stuff. And that's changed; it just has. You know, it's it's got to another level. And um, you know, when South Dakota State last week played Holy Cross, I told you earlier that Holy Cross was able to hang in that game not only because of the quarterback play, which was tremendous. I think that'll give Montana State some, you know, some high hopes because Holy Cross's quarterback is nowhere near the runner that Sean Chambers and Tommy Malad are, though very, very good. And he was able to run roughshod on on those uh, on the Jacks, but the stadium, Coulter, it was uh, it was borderline empty. It looked like South Dakota State did not have the fan support in this postseason run that you would certainly assume um, there was times where the ESPN sideline reporter was talking and behind her was like a whole section of just empty stands. Um, I thought it was mind blowing. It was very shocking, but I thought the Holy Cross was able to hang in that game because of that. And it sounds like weather's come in for this game and it sounds like they've only sold 5,000 tickets or so. We're not, we're not, I'm not talking about destiny there. I'm just talking about Montana state having a lot of confidence going to that game. I imagine, you know, when Sonny Holland passed away, uh, which, you know, a life well lived. You know me, Colter. I always talk about there's a big difference between feeling, you know, sad and remorse over someone's death and feeling extremely uplifted and, and joyous over it because we all we all live in hopes that one day we can die. And Sonny Holland did that as well, if not better than anybody. So, but right when that happened, you know, we both thought the same thing. I think everyone did. But you and I both text each other within minutes of like, <laughs> they're winning the natty. Like, I mean, that's... 
what a what a element of motivation, what an element of perspective that brings to a young man's life when he can hear the stories throughout all of the lore, throughout all of his life. Even if you, your life as a Bobcat football uh, person was only a year, four or five years since you've been there, um, it has tremendous momentum and tremendous emotional attachment to a, something that's bigger than you, and it becomes a metaphor, and it becomes a, a rallying cry. And this team didn't need that before, Coulter, but I, gosh, I, I have to assume that if ever, uh, that would be something that would definitely put you over the top. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Montana State at South Dakota State, a bid in the FCS national title game on the line. Thanks so much for listening to the uh, Big Sky Breakdown, and uh, we'll have another one next week. Uh, leading up to the Christmas holiday, uh, either recapping a season or recapping a game and giving you a preview of one last matchup. Uh, either way, appreciate you. Happy holidays. Uh, enjoy yourselves. And uh, if you are traveling to Brookings, uh, be safe, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com for Brooks Nuanas, Coulter Nuanas. Uh, keep it right here. We have a couple more interviews from throughout the week. Uh, to share with you uh, here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Uh, So stay tuned for that. But thanks so much for listening here with us today. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. College Athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuanas here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. We go now to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line and welcome in a guest that feels like joins us annually at this point because it seems like his team is always crossing over with one of the Montana schools, and namely, they've played the Bobcats a whole bunch of times, a whole bunch of years in a row. John Stigelmeyer, longtime head coach for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, joins us here uh, on Nuanas Now. Coach Stig, how you doing, man? What's going on? Life is good. How are you? Very good. Really appreciate you for joining us. Uh, let's start there. I mean, it seems like an annual occurrence now that you guys take on Montana State. I think you've taken them on four, five, six times over the last four, five, six years. So uh, when you first see Montana State pop up, whether it was in those non-conference games a handful of years ago or now these last couple of years in the playoffs, what do you think? Uh, I think bad weather in the playoffs. That's what I think. <laughs> so, uh, uh, And we'll have the same out here. It's uh, cold and it's sleeting and it's ice-covered roads, but obviously uh, Montana State, uh, they've done a great job, the staff, and really the program's in great shape, and, and I see a, a really good football program. 
Well, interesting because it'll be pretty much a year since the last time you played the Bobcats because you guys squared off in the Final Four of the FCS playoffs a year ago. Start with your team, though. How has your team changed uh, over this last calendar year? Uh, well, we got a year older. Uh, you know, Mark Gronowski is healthy now. Last time we played him, our quarterback in the spring, when we went to the Frisco, uh, you know, he got hurt in that game. Uh, and so uh, a different quarterback. Uh, but for the most part, a lot of the same pieces, a lot of the same guys. And, uh, how we've changed recently is we're finally healthy and uh, feel really good about our program. Well, so interesting the way that this last couple of years have gone, too, just in terms of navigating uh, the pandemic and the, the spring season. Some people, including your team, decided to play. Some people did not. I know last year when you guys were in Bozeman, you guys were coming off of a crazy stretch. It's been like two dozen games in a calendar year. How much different does it feel since then? I mean, you mentioned you're finally getting healthy now. But, I mean, how much more orthodox was this last calendar year than the, the couple before it? Well, it, it was unique. You know, it was unique because we played the – you know, the, the two seasons in the same calendar year, but, you know, we're football coaches, so uh, we, we really feel blessed uh, to be able to coach football in the spring. You know, FCS football was the only, really the only uh, show going on then, and so a lot of visibility for those programs that made the playoffs, were on TV and stuff, so, but it's normal now, like you said, and, and, uh, and I don't mean normal for us to be in the semifinals, but it's a normal football year, and again, we're blessed to be in the, in the semis versus Montana State. John Singlemeyer joining us here on Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. He's the head coach of the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. They host Montana State on Saturday in Brookings, South Dakota. Take us through last week's game, Coach. I watched it very intently. A very good battle you had with Holy Cross. That quarterback that they got, he is something else. Uh, but you guys were able to close it out in the fourth quarter and score 21 unanswered to pull away for a 42-21 victory. What was the turning point for your team? Well, one of the turning points was an interception for a touchdown in the first half. I think that energized us and that we really maintained that uh, type of thing. And then we finally slowed down the quarterback. You know, we got to him uh, two, three times in pass rush. Most of the times we got, uh, when we got close uh, during the, in the first half, he took off running. You know, over half his yards were scramble yards and we couldn't tackle him in the open field. So I think it was just containing the quarterback was the main deal. Well, that seems like a, a common storyline coming into this one. Montana State has not one but two outstanding quarterbacks. I know you faced off against one of them and Tommy Malott last year in the semifinals, but now they added Sean Chambers this year as well, the big transfer from uh, Wyoming, who's become sort of their short yardage wildcat guy. Just give us the general scout. I mean, when you look at Montana State, what do you see offensively? How challenging is it to prepare for this Bobcat offense? Uh, it's uh, a dynamic. You just look at their stats, look at their yards, look at their yards rushing. Look at their points. Look at their time of possession. I mean, they all intersect with saying they're very efficient. They're very good. They're very good at what they do. Uh, it starts with the quarterbacks, like you said, but the running backs are good. The wide receivers are good. The O-line is doing a good job. So it's a complete, you know, we look for advantages as coaches, meaning, you know, is there a mismatch in the O-line? Is there a wide receiver that that, that you can relax on? You know, that type of thing. There, there are no weaknesses. And so you got to be on edge. Everybody in their assignments have to be able to do their job. When it comes to your defense, you guys have been so outstanding stopping the run this year. I think you're leading the nation in, in yards per game allowed and averaging a, a very low yard per carry clip as well. What has led to that? I mean, what have been the, the key factors for you guys to, to be so good stopping the run this year? I think our D-line is, is fairly good. We play a lot of guys. We play up to 10 a game. And so guys are fresh. Uh, guys are, uh, 
playing hard because they know they're only going to get three, four, five plays in, in a sequence, and then when they sub, we sub uh, type of thing. So uh, Caleb Sanders, our, our nose guard, is, uh, you know, stature-wise, he's not an FBS guy, but uh, football-player-wise, he's a phenomenal football player. Our two ends are really good. Uh, and we just got some good players. And then our linebackers are, are good. Uh, Isaiah Stalbert and Sam is good. And Adam Bach has been a phenomenal player for us. And we've missed him for uh, a number of games. And he's back now for – played a little bit last week and will play, play a, a lot this week. When it comes to trying to slow down that Bobcat rushing offense, then if you can't identify any weaknesses, what are the keys? Do your job. <laughs> Do your job. You know, uh, it seems simple, but that's football, right? They get for 11, sure. we get 11. If, if we if we read our keys and, and fit put our hats where they're supposed to be, uh, there should be one guy available to tackle. And then the good teams, guys get off blocks, and you get two guys there, three guys there. You know, but in theory, there's a guy designed to bounce the play. There's a guy designed to force the play, whatever it is. And there's a guy designed to fill whatever gap occurs. And the the problem with a, a quarterback running team is it's a two-back offense with a one-back set a lot of times. Right. And so you're down a player or down a fitter, so you got to really be that much sharper in your your uh, your execution. John Stiglmeyer joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. He's the head coach of South Dakota State. How about the other side of the ball then, Coach? I mean, what sort of things do you see out of the Bobcat defense? Are there any individual numbers that, that stand out to you, that pop to you? Uh, Numbers-wise, jersey number-wise, I think 95 is a really good football player yeah. to tackle. Uh, I think the two inside linebackers uh, are really good. And I'm not talking about there's weaknesses on their defense either, but I, these guys, like you asked, pop, they jump out at you. Uh, you watch film and you keep saying, well, why, don't, why, why is this 95 to the ball all the time? He's a D-tackle. Right. And he's just a really, really good football player. Uh, you know, there's a DN that... Uh, I think has been injured. That sounds like he might be coming back again. I don't pay attention to names, so I apologize for that. That's just, uh, you know, I forget our kids' names, so <laughs> why would I try to memorize the opponent's players' names? So, uh, but anyway, uh, re- re- really good. And I, I do think uh, they they understand their scheme. You can't outnumber them. Uh, you put the formation this way, they number it off right. So, uh, again, you asked me about uh, their offense they're in position to do their job, read their keys, and then fit plays right. Very good points. And Sebastian Valdez, number 95, he is very, very good. I remember that. The, that's why I asked you about the numbers, Coach, because I remembered you're a numbers guy, not, <laughs> not a names guy for sure. Well, I, I know that you, you talked about this earlier in your press conference. I was able to watch along a little bit. Um, but what's your perspective on the fact that this is sort of a rematch? Are you guys thinking about last year at all, or how does that uh, element play into this game? Uh, yeah, if you saw this, if you listened there or heard that part, the, the part we're, we're, we're zeroed in on is the feeling our seniors had at the end of that game. I mean, if you watched, you know, we, we re- revisited the press conference and we had two of our captains, seniors, six-year guys, COVID guys, Logan Backus, uh, West Janant, and, and to see their emotions, to see their disappointment. And so it isn't, it isn't the fact that we're playing Montana State, it's the the fact that we don't want to have that feeling. That's the motivation. Well, absolutely. It certainly uh, should be a great one because it was a great one last year. Uh, again, in Bozeman, John Stiglmeyer joined us, head coach of the South Dakota State Jackrabbits here uh, on Nuanas Now. Coach, what's this ride been like for you? Because I know you've been doing this a long time, and you guys have been very, very good over the last 10-plus years here. 
But this is the first time you've ever been ranked number one. And, uh, I mean, you are absolutely a national championship contender, one of the favorites. And you're down to the Final Four once again. So, I mean, what's it been like for you to kind of watch this thing grow? Um, it's been very re- rewarding. You know, I, I grew up on a farm. My dad taught me two things, work hard and be a good person. And we have really great people in our program. We work hard, and uh, sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. But, again, if you're doing things right, if you're working hard, uh, most of the time you reap positive benefits. And sometimes you just play better, but you lose a game. Sometimes you you know, you know, get to be ranked number one because you win a game. Uh, it's, it's, been, it's been fun. And, and uh, I learned early in my career that uh, the top level isn't always the best for somebody. Uh, you know, I wanted to be able to uh, uh, spend a little more time with our family in this level and South Dakota State allows me to do that. So it's been really, really special. Well, one thing, speaking of this level, one thing that I just love about this level is you get to watch teams make such huge improvements throughout the scope of a year. In your mind, what does it take to make those improvements, and how have you seen your team improve uh, throughout the last 10, 15 weeks? You know, um, you know I mean, again, God made us that we we're supposed to work hard every day, and when we do that, we're supposed to get better every day. And I mean, daily, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to be able to end the day and, 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 uh, look back and say, this is where I focused on. And this is where, uh, where I, I made some improvements. Uh, you know, I think one of the improvements we made, it, it doesn't really answer your specific question, but we hired a new, new strength coach and our old one was great. Our new one was, was just a different guy, a different program, a different energy level. We had an unbelievable summer with our guys. And so I think we came into the season, uh, maybe more excited and and, and stronger than we have. And, uh, uh, now why did we have so many injuries early? I have no clue, but I think, I think, uh, that was a huge part of it. And then Mark Gronowski, I think, uh, cause he missed the fall. Uh, he's really in sync right now. The game is moving slow. If I can use that term and, uh, really playing at a high level as a quarterback. Well, should be a great one. In Brookings on Saturday, Montana State at South Dakota State, a trip to Frisco for the FCS National Championship game on the line. John Stigelmeyer, head coach of SDSU, joining us. Coach, last thing for you, what are the keys to victory for South Dakota State if you're going to go back to Frisco? Stop quarterback run. Yeah, stop quarterback run. Uh, prevent any type of big plays. Last year we, 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 we weren't great at it, but we were pretty good at it, and they had a bunch of 50-50 balls that ended up being – 80 20 in their favor so limit the big plays and then we gotta we gotta move the football we gotta we gotta find a way to move the football against really good defense should be a fun one coach thanks so much for the time as always best of luck saturday thanks for being here man you bet take care join town pumps pump it up rewards plus program and never pay full price for fuel again Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Town pump. Right down the road. Pump it up. Oh, yeah. 
Hey guys, Ryan Tutel here for SkylineSportsMT.com. You know, when we brought Coulter on a year ago, it was a huge boost to ESPN Radio because no one knows more about the Grizz and Cats than he does. But Coulter is a journalist first and started Skyline Sports to cover the Big Sky explicitly full-time with no corporate interference. Just the sports teams and people you care about unfiltered. I'm in the sports media, I understand the landscape, and I can tell you, there is simply no better sports journalism done in the state of Montana than that of Skyline Sports. Improve your habits. Go to SkylineSportsMT.com. So we go to the Ring Exposed every full nine. Welcome in our good buddy Sam Herter of Hero Sports and BetMGM Senior FCS Analyst for Hero Sports. Sam, what's going on, my man? How you doing? Doing good. Uh, looking forward to some great semifinal matchups and looking forward to uh, breaking those down with you. Well, let's talk about the quarterfinals. Uh, it was wild on uh, Friday night. I was doing my show uh, live from the Rocket Arbar downtown Bozeman and watching the NDSU game, and, and Sanford hung early in that game, but as Ty Gregorak, one of our contributing analysts, said, he said, hey, buddy, you can go to Fargo and you can hang for a little while. So it's just a matter of when they squish you. And that's exactly what happened. Just sort of the same script as it always is. You know, Bison takes somebody's best shot. They fight, fight, fight. And then all of a sudden, uh, North Dakota State just avalanches you and they, they get out of there with a 27-9 win. They're in the Final Four yet again. I think 11 years in a row now to the uh, the Final Four of the FCS playoffs. So um, what did you see in the, the opening game of the quarterfinals there for the Bison? Yeah, I, I've come to learn that whenever I preview, especially in the playoffs, whenever I preview uh, NDSU and, you know, keys to beating NDSU, keys to the game, and, you know, obviously the first to stop the run, but I always make sure to put in there, stop the run for all four quarters because, you know, there's been a couple times in the past quarterfinals or, or in the past uh, uh, just playoffs in general, I, I should say, where, you know, I, I talked about I don't know if a team can hang for NDSU, uh, stopping the run, and then, you know, a, a team hangs with them for a half, and I got their fans tweeting at me saying, hey, they're looking pretty physical, aren't they? And then I have to respond with, all right, just, just wait until the third and fourth quarter, then we'll see. And so uh, whenever, whenever I write about these games, I always make sure to say it. You can hang for one half for three quarters, but you have to do it for all four quarters, or else NDSU will just continue to lean on you and pull away. What did you think of just Sanford and the representation of the SoCon? Because I think the SoCon, a fascinating league to analyze because they actually have as much history in the FCS and in Division One AA as a whole. And they, they were a, a league that had some of the great powers that the subdivision had ever seen. But a lot of those powers have then moved on and moved up. Uh, but Sanford had a, a record-setting year, an all-time great year for their program. Uh, where do you think just the, the SoCon kind of fits in the, the, uh, the puzzle that is FCS conferences? Yeah, I think the SoCon is is rising back up, uh, and I think they continually gain more respect. Either you know whether it be for fo- uh, for voters, I think you know the, the the playoff committee is still not there on the SoCon just yet. Uh, but you know, I, I thought the SoCon maybe deserved to have uh, another team in there, like, like a Chattanooga. Uh, you know, possibly. Although you know, I think Chattanooga lost to an unranked team in the final game of the regular season uh, to finish seven and four, and that ultimately. Uh, left Chattanooga out. Uh, but I, I think you look at the last couple of years, last year ETSU made it to the quarterfinals and they played North Dakota State in last year's quarterfinals and they lost by three scores, but they hung in there just like Sanford physically, you know, pretty well for two and a half quarters. They didn't get, you know, absolutely run off the field. And then this year, you know, the Sanford, I, I thought they, they stacked up well physically, uh, much better than expe- expected. Uh, Sanford, you know, the quarterback play just wasn't there. Uh, they tried to start their backup freshman, Crittendon. He didn't have it. They brought in their 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 starter who was battling a, a hand-wrist injury. He didn't have it in that game either. Uh, but you even look at the other team in this year's 
a playoff from the from the SoCon and, and Furman nearly beat UIW, who's now in the who's now in the uh, the semifinals. Obviously, Furman had a uh, a one possession lead with a minute and a half left, and then UIW went down the field and scored. And so, uh, I think the SoCon continues to show that they are a, a good, solid FCS conference. Do they have any heavy hitters like the Big Sky or the Valley? No, but I think they have you know four to five pretty solid FCS programs. Sam Herter, Hero Sports, joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Uh, then the craziness began. First of all, there was no real drama in the game in Bozeman because Montana State just ran roughshod over William & Mary. And then uh, one of the craziest games I've ever watched played out in Sacramento between Incarnate Word and Sac State. We'll get to that one in a minute. But uh, how surprised were you, if at all, Sam, that Montana State was able to just destroy the Colonial Athletic Association champions uh, from William and Mary. Yeah, as far I mean, I, I felt pretty confident in Montana State winning that game, but certainly didn't. Pre- I think I predicted maybe a two or three score win for Montana State. Uh, definitely didn't predict a you know a, a fifty-five to, to seven blowout. And you know this, I think overall this probably shows that the CAA is maybe not as strong uh, as, as we expected. I mean, you look at some of their losses in the bracket and, and Delaware got blown out and, you know, New Hampshire mostly got blown out by Holy Cross and William and Mary uh, gets blown out. Uh, you know, Richmond stuck in there pretty well uh, with, uh, with Sac State in the earlier rounds, but overall kind of a, a tough playoffs for the CAA and William and Mary was supposed to be their or was their, their best team 10 and one uh, FBS win pretty solid on defense, disruptive defense, uh, really good rushing attack, uh, but they just uh, were no, no match at all for Montana state. And so, um, you know, that was basically an avalanche uh, from the start, you know, the first couple of possessions, it seemed like both offenses were just kind of feeling each other out. And then the playbooks opened up, or at least Montana state's playbook opened up and they just, uh, you know, just took it to William and Mary. How much do you think the CAA misses James Madison? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it, it obviously hurts not only from a reputation standpoint just because James Madison is, is routinely in the semifinals in the title game, but I just think when you have a team like that, it, it, it brings everyone else up because they see, yeah. and that's honestly, I, I think, unfortunately, that's why the CAA and James Madison kind of, they, 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 they didn't get along, you know, a whole lot, the James Madison right. and the other CAA teams and other CAA leaderships because James Madison... Uh, was taking football seriously, and they wanted to play in the 2020 fall, and they were pouring resources in, into football, and no other CAA team is doing that besides Delaware. And now, you know, there's rumors that Delaware is potentially eyeing an FBS move just because, you know, when you look around and you're playing Towson and, and Stony Brook, no offense to those programs, but they're not, they're not, you know, putting resources into football like these other programs. And so I totally. think when you have a program like James Madison that should elevate everyone up, um, but, you know, when – when you can be, how to phrase it, when you can win a CAA title and be, you know, weaker, you know, you don't have to raise your game up to James Madison's level to win a CAA title. Uh, you know, that's that's going to hurt uh, the the CAA because they don't really have that that juggernaut to chase anymore. That's exactly right. That's exactly what I thought too. Having watched James Madison live and in person in Harrisonburg in the 2021 playoffs against the Grizzlies, and then watching William and Mary uh, live and in person this last Saturday in Bozeman. 
William Mary's a good team. I thought, and, and they didn't play well at all. And they also just kind of ran into a buzzsaw with, you know, <laughs> nine degree temperatures at, you know, 2 a.m. <laughs> East Coast time by the time that game was over. But whatever, no excuses needed. I just thought William and Mary would be, you know, they'd be a, a nice playoff team, you know, an at-large bid that's like a number two or three team out of a, you know, a, a good conference. But if that's the best that your conference has to offer, then your conference just isn't quite in the conversation with the Big Sky and the Missouri Valley. Because, you know, there's only been a couple teams over the last handful of years where when I saw them live and in person, I was like, whoa, that is significantly different than most of the teams we see on a regular basis out west. Those teams have been North Dakota State and and James Madison. Everybody else, you're like, oh, well, that team's not nearly as physically good as the Montana, Montana State, Weber States of the world, the Sac States of the world. And uh, so I, I definitely think that uh, the CAA is going to have to find another leader because I think William Murray will be coming. I think Mike Lennon's a good coach, but I do think that they, uh, they're they quite a ways away uh, in a variety of different ways in that Friday night game uh, in Bozeman. Sam Herder, Hero Sports, joining us here on Nuana's Now ESPN Radio. Uh, how about the uh, the wildest game ever? I cannot believe that you could possibly go get 48 first downs and have 740 yards of total offense and lose. But that's exactly what happened uh, to Sacramento State. Uh, just take us through it for you, for you, Sam. I mean, how crazy was that fourth quarter? I mean, it was wild watching them go back and forth, the onside kicks. I mean, never in my life did it seem that 90 seconds was too much time to give the other team. because they, But they were both just scoring at will, especially in that fourth frame. Right, yeah, and just crazy fourth quarter with lead changes and onside kicks, crazy plays, turnovers, you know, misuse of, of timeouts and time clock management uh, there at the end for Sac State. But, you know, I no matter what was going on in that game, I know Sac State fell behind a couple of scores and then they erased that lead with, you know, within a minute of, of game time action. But there was never really a time until the final seconds uh, went off the clock that I, I felt that Sac State was going to lose just because, I think it was, I think I wrote it last week. I think Sac State had five one-possession wins this year, including the playoffs, over-ranked opponents. And so they just always seemed to find a way to, to win games late. And I just felt that they would somehow figure it out and win late in this one. But uh, give credit to UIW. You know, like I said earlier in the segment, they also pulled out a close win over Furman uh, in an earlier round. And so UIW has found ways to, to make big plays, uh, especially at the end of games. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Obviously, when you look at UIW, you kind of have to question their defense. Uh, but at the same time, they did force some some key turnovers. That's really the only time they got to stop was when they forced a uh, turnover. And, um, you know, Sac State is, uh, I know, you know, you know, new head coach, you know, some players entering the transfer portal, uh, but still might have a decent amount of guys back. And, you know, they're going to they're gonna be watching this film, kind of kicking themselves just because they were, uh, you know, a lot of plays, especially turnovers that uh, if, if those didn't happen, uh, could, could, could have been a different outcome. You just have to wonder on the Sac State side of things. I mean, they, they certainly grew the interest in the program the last couple of years, and you saw that reflected in the attendance numbers this year. I mean, they they averaged, you know, 14,000, I think close to 14,000 fans, so certainly, you know, nothing to sneeze at, a respectable number to be sure. Uh, but I just always wonder, like, when, when if, a, if a program means something to a whole bunch of people, it seems like then that can be such a, a huge motivating factor given the result of your team. In other words, like I don't know how many people's lives were just ruined when Sac State lost. And I'm not, you know, I think that sometimes sports fans are over the over the top with their uh, insane uh, emotional attachment to their teams. But make no mistake, I mean, 
If the Cats would have lost last week, people would have been devastated. When the Grizz came up short and lost in Fargo, people around Montana are talking about it. They're like, man, this, this is a bummer. So you just wonder uh, the, the fallout at Sac State or lack thereof. And, and that's why I think it's so fascinating moving forward because so often when you have a coach that takes you to the highest level your program has ever attained like Troy Taylor did, he does it across the spectrum. He does it by boosting interest and winning the press conference and having these slick recruiting classes and all these sorts of things. Troy Taylor just did it with, you know, the headset on and calling the plays and just putting guys in a position to succeed. And he brought in some good players for sure. But I I just wonder where Sac State goes because, you know, on one hand, I don't know how you ever replace Troy Taylor, the offensive mastermind, Troy Taylor, the play caller. But on the other hand, he wasn't really doing that much other stuff there like you see so many other coaches uh, infuse their personalities and their energy into a program. So, I mean, what do you think with Sacramento State? I mean, this was definitely the greatest season in their school's history, going undefeated for 12 weeks in a row, winning an FBS game, winning the Big Sky Conference, and winning their first playoff game ever. What's next, though, for Sac State now with Troy Taylor out and Andy Thompson in? Yeah, having that internal hire possibly helps, uh, you know, just because he he, he knows that system and, uh, you know, gives the players that are coming back uh, you know, some, some level of, of comfort there, but, you know, they have been hit by, uh, they will be hit by some several key departures as far as uh, seniors graduating, but also some key guys into the transfer portal. You know, Scadabo is, is a major one um, entering the transfer portal. So we'll see if, you know, what they have next season, but it's, you know, I can't remember if it, it might've been like 2017, 2018, something like that, where Sac State was either five and six or six and five. Um, they, they had a record somewhere around there. So it's not like they went from 0-11 to, you know, 10-1 and in one year under Troy Taylor. They've always been kind of average, uh, I guess. That's but, right. you know, yeah, maybe, you know, some folks around the FCS might not, may not realize that. And so um, they do have, you know, something there. Um, you know, I, I, we'll, we'll see what the fan base is like, obviously, when you go from, you know, whatever they were drawing a few years ago to over 15,000, you know, certainly that means some, some people jumped on the bandwagon. Uh, whether they stay on the wagon or not probably depends on how much Sac State is winning. Um, but you kind of have to expect just with their departures that uh, they will take a step back next year. And, you know, I don't know what their schedule is, but maybe they're they're back to, they're not back to, but maybe they're a 7-4, and 8-3 and three type of team and not a 11-0 and 0 type of team. They certainly can get talent there for sure. I think it's just about making that talent play together, learning how to win. I think that's the one thing that Taylor did do uh, outside of X's and O's was uh, instill a winning mentality. Sam Herter, Hero Sports, joining us here uh, on Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. Uh, and then the, the only Saturday quarterfinal, Holy Cross, South Dakota State. And it's funny, you know you've arrived as a program when people are, are saying – oh, man, you look vulnerable or you didn't play that well when you go get a three-touchdown win in the quarterfinals against a team that I thought was pretty good that played really well. I mean, we have talked about Holy Cross with a certain level of skepticism all season long. And after watching them live in person, they're a good squad and their quarterback's great. And I thought that he was outstanding. He carried them in that game. Uh, But SDSU, nonetheless, the top seed moves into the the Final Four. And I know that there's people around Montana that want to think that Man, SDS, you might look a little vulnerable, but they look pretty darn good to me, especially the way that they closed out that game. What do you think of the Jackrabbits just slamming the door in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it was a, a little bit like the NDSU game uh, where the, the opponent battled tough for a half or two and a half quarters, but you kind of just always felt that at some point the dam was going to break. And, you know, South Dakota State certainly had the, the physical advantage there. And, uh, you know, they just leaned on on Holy Cross and eventually pulled away, pulled away there at the end. Um, and it was on the 
on the Holy Cross offensive side, it was the Matthew Sluka show. Um, he ran for over 200 yards from the quarterback position. Uh, now, most of that was not necessarily by design. It was some, some passing plays where he just tucked it in or on and in. South Dakota State didn't have a, uh, an answer for that. And so it'll be a little bit of a different look, obviously, because Montana State, when, when they run the quarterback, it's, it's by design, not necessarily uh, as much scrambling as Luca did. But, um, yeah, I mean, you look at the semifinals, and if you want to talk about, okay, who looked vulnerable, who looked good enough to win the national title, I mean, you can say that South Dakota State looked vulnerable. You can say that North Dakota State looked vulnerable. You can say that UIW, their defense isn't good enough to win the national title. And, you know, really the only team that looked like the most complete team was Montana State, uh, but at the same time, you know, I think right now you have to look at Montana State plus, you know, South Dakota State. I, I think as far as just the odds is, is probably still uh, the odds-on favorite to uh, to win it all. But um, you know, it's just that's kind of how the playoffs are. Uh, I think one year when NDSU went sixteen and zero, they beat Illinois State like nine to seven in the quarterfinals, right. and everyone was saying that oh, the Bison, the Bison don't look good enough. Uh, then they, they won their, their final two. And so um, each round is its own round. And, um, yeah, maybe South Coast State didn't look great in different stretches of that game, same with NDSU, but at the same time, um, I mean, no offense to UIW, but I think it's it's probably a, a three-team race right now all at the top with South Coast State, Montana State, and, and North Coast State. And that's like the dynamic that uh, at the same time it's expected and also, I don't want to say frustrating, but it, it's almost as if, if, at this moment in time, with the state of the FCS, the the things that influence success in college football, and and the investments that the the sort of power three there have all made in their programs, it seems as if this is exactly where they should be. And so I you know I can't help but think that right now the only thing that would make any of these teams exceed expectation. I mean, North Dakota State's expectation is to go to first go and win it. That's what their expectation has been for a decade. South Coast State and Montana State, they've played, you know, 13, 14 games to get to this point, and now it's this next win that could put the expectation where, where you're actually finally exceeding expectations. So what do you think of this sort of the state of the FCS? Because if you were to break it down based on what you need to be good in college football these days, resources, support, facilities, tradition, uh, good talent, you know, all those things – it's no surprise whatsoever that it's NDSU, SDSU, and Montana State, right? Right, and a lot of the offseason, you know, the kind of the, the storylines and the narratives were not only NDSU rolling in Frisco, but also the, the losses of James Madison, Jacksonville State, yep. and Sam Houston, along with, you know, the Coastal Carolinas, Georgia Southerns of the world. And it was, you know, basically, what what is the FCS playoffs going to look like? Is it going right. to be... You know, essentially the, the Mondak Invitational when right. you have the two Dakota States and then Montana State and, and Montana in the Final Four, um, you know, basically every year. And obviously the Grizz, you know, haven't gotten to that point uh, just yet. But, you know, it's, it's an eye-opening moment for the Grizz, though, too, right? I mean, because yeah. if, if you're talking about all these factors that go into it, Montana has all those things I just named, and they're not sitting here in the Final Four. Right, and it, it seems like if, if it's not going to be those four, it's going to be three of those four teams and then, you know, another team having a good year. Um, but that's kind of the thing with the FCS, even, you know, going back almost a decade is just a sustaining success where, you know, South Coast State, Montana State, North Coast State, Montana, they have the pieces in place to sustain success. But I mean, Towson made it the championship game in 2013. They haven't sniffed it since right. Illinois State was good for a couple of years. They haven't been back since Youngstown State made a national title run. They haven't been back in the playoffs. Uh, since, you know, what's going to happen with, with UIW now that they lose Lindsey Scott after this year and th- their second head coaching uh, change in two years, does UIW, you know, make it back to the semifinals, you know, anytime soon? And so it just seems like, 
it's going to be three of these four teams, if not these four teams that I just mentioned. Um, and then you're going to have teams kind of rising and going just because, you know, UIW doesn't, you know, they, they're a small college. <laughs> they're a very small college, uh, you know, in San Antonio, and they don't have the resources in place. And so, um, yeah, that's just going to be the, the interesting thing going forward of, um, you know, who, who else can rise up and who can, who can maintain that level of success is, is the biggest thing. Friday night, North Dakota State hosts Incarnate Word. Saturday, South Dakota State hosts Montana State, a rematch of last year's semifinal game, except for this time it's in Brookings instead of in Bozeman. Uh, Friday night, what do we expect, Sam? I mean, Lindsey Scott's a hell of a player. He's done a great job of leading Incarnate Word to this point. They're incredibly explosive on offense. They spread the ball all over the place. Because they do play an opposite style of North Dakota State, I actually think that gives them I'm not going to say an advantage, but I don't think you're going to beat North Dakota State in your own game. Maybe Montana State can this year. We'll see if they get to that point. But right, I do think that it's an intriguing matchup with Incarnate Word. All that said, though, NDSU, I mean, they're in the semifinals on Friday night with the chance to go to Frisco. This is just like rinse and repeat. This is what we get every single year. What do you think of this matchup? Yeah, and I, I think we've talked about it on your show before of how do you beat North Dakota State, and it usually is spreading them out with the mobile quarterback and then still having the threat uh, to run. And that's what uh, Incarnate Word does. You know, obviously, Lindsey Scott has a ton of weapons on the outside. But the thing, too, is UIW is number 15 in the FCS when it comes to uh, rushing offense. And so they can get it done uh, on the ground as well, especially when you know you got the linebackers and the safeties you know, dropping back, thinking it's, it's pass, pass, pass. They can... Uh, you know, run Scott or, or they have a thousand yard running back uh, as well in Cooper. So um, I, I think matchup wise uh, could challenge NDSU, but at the same time, uh, we have seen, you know, these type of offenses get overwhelmed uh, in the trenches. And, uh, you know, the, the best way to, to slow down an up tempo offense is to just over, overwhelm that offensive line um, and kind of get them on their heels a little bit and not allow the quarterback to get into rhythm. And so uh, I think that'll be the key. And then on the flip side, I mean, we thought that NDSU was going to run all over Sanford, and you know they. I think NDSU only went for about 150 against Sanford. Uh, you know UIW statistically, and especially against Sac State, was not that good against the run. But you know, can they do something like Sanford did and, and kind of uh, halt NDSU's run as good as possible? Um, you know, they got a, a big six foot one, 375 pounder defensive tackle UIW. He's going to be hard to move uh, off his spot, and um, and so I, I assume UIW is going to sell out and stop the run, but. Uh, you know, again, you have to do that for all four quarters uh, to get a win. And it seems like, you know, there's been times when NDSU hasn't played great in the quarterfinals this year, last year, 2019. Uh, but then they just, you know, play one of their most complete games in the semifinals. And so we'll see if the Bison do that again. Be fascinating. Watch one last thing for you then. Sam Herder, Hero Sports Senior FCS Analyst covering the FCS on a national level. Uh, the Bobcats, they seem like they got the mojo right now, but this uh, South Dakota State team, also has been the team to beat all year long, and uh, that's indicative in the number one seed that they possess. And uh, you also have to wonder just how many years John Stiglmeyer is going to make a run at this thing. And uh, he said since day one that he thought this was uh, his best offensive squad, his best team overall, and to this point they've proven it. So uh, what, what do you think of this matchup between the Bobcats and the Jackrabbits and Brookings? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of a matchup of the hottest team in the FCS, which is Montana State going up against a team in South Dakota State who's been number one all of, you know, based for, for not all of, but, but, but most of the season the Jackrabbits have. And, and the Jacks probably have 
you know, the best top-end talent in the FCS right now. When you look at, you know, two, two tight ends that, that will, you know, probably go pro. They have a couple of, of you know, undrafted free agent type offensive linemen. You know, the Yankee twins are, are getting some NFL buzz now. You know, on, on the defensive side of the ball, Reese Winkleman, Caleb Sanders are, are two really good defensive linemen. You know, Adam Bach is a, a first-team All-American type guy. You know, he would have been a first-team All-American again if he played the full season. So they just have, like, those top-end All-American next-level pro names um, you know, to complete, and they also have, you know, a whole lot of depth too, but then they run into a Mon- Montana state squad that, you know, also has, you know, the, the big names of Fonse and Malat and Chambers, um, you know, Sebastian Valdez, I know is getting a lot of postseason love uh, as well, but, um, you know, it just seems that the Montana state is rolling right now. They're the hottest team in the FCS. They're playing, uh, the best right now. It seems like in the FCS, especially with, you know, how they, they took it to Weber State for the most part. I know that was a close game at the end, but took it to Weber State, took it to William & Mary. Uh, it just seems like the Bobcats are, are, are playing the best uh, right now in the FCS. But it, it is a road game, and, you know, we saw it last week. You know, the, the, the key players, the best players for South Dakota State make, made big-time plays, whether that was Jackson Yonke, you know, Tucker Kraft. You saw him six foot five, 265 times, yeah. uh, 265 <laughs> pounds, moving in the open field. Like, he, he makes big-time plays, and it seems like in a game like this, uh, you need your best players to make that one big play. Um, and South Dakota State was able to do that last week, and we'll see if they can do that this week. He's Sam Herder. He joins us each week here on Duana's Now to Lead Wednesday's show, talking our way around the FCS, and we're getting down to it. Just four teams left in the FCS playoffs. Sam, appreciate the time, as always, and we'll talk to you soon. But thanks so much for being here today. Yep, thank you. Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Time now for our Hauk highlights, our final Hauk highlights for 2022. Hauk highlights, where we share musings from University of Montana head football coach Bobby Hauk. is presented by Ryan Holloway and Miller. Ryan Holloway and Miller Law Firm has established a strong, well-earned reputation with their respected attorneys in criminal defense and personal injury. Nate Holloway can handle the most complex criminal defense cases while Paul Ryan is known for his high acumen for DUI cases, Angie Miller has a biology degree, which means that she has an elevated expertise in evaluating personal injury medical malpractice cases. Together, the trio can help you no matter your legal need. Case evaluation is free, and the phone line is open 24-7. Ryan, Holloway, and Miller, your Montana attorneys. Now, I'll... I'll start this conversation about the Grizz, where we are going to discuss University of Montana football in its in its whole. I'll say a few things 
before we get into some of the criticisms I have of this last Grizzlies, not even criticisms, but more uh, the factors that made what was a season filled with great promise end up uh, falling short of what I think that almost every person that follows Grizz football uh, falls short of the expectation that they had. I think that the Montana football program right now as we sit here on December 13th, 2022, is in a significantly stronger place than it was when Bobby Houck took over in 2018, when Bob Stitt took over following the retirement of Mick Delaney ahead of the 2015 season. I think it's in a stronger place than it's been probably since the abrupt dismissal of Robin Flugrad as the head coach of Montana back in the spring of 2012. And that, that fallout was accentuated by the dismissal of athletic director Jim O'Day. And it took Montana, I think, a full 10 years to recover from that. There's so many different factors that went into it, from uh, a Department of Justice investigation to an NCAA investigation to NCAA violations to uh, scholarship reduction to uh, NCAA penalties of a variety of sorts to then... You know, a, a inflammatory book by one of the great nonfiction, uh, creative nonfiction writers in the country in John Krakauer. I mean, there's so many different things that went into Montana, the University of Montana's football program, falling from a place where they were peerless uh, in the Big Sky Conference. I think, though, when you look at at programs and what what's missing to get them to a truly nationally elite level, a truly national championship level. You think about resources, Montana's got them. Support, Montana's got better support than anybody in the country. Facilities, the Grizz have the best external facility in FCS football in Washington Grizzly Stadium, and. Internal facilities. Now they got the Champion Center, which is one of the best locker rooms slash weight rooms that you could have. So they have a whole bunch of stuff that almost nobody's got. So then it, the question then begs, what's next? How do the Grizz take that next step? The other thing that they do have is they have talent in bunches, and they also have a team that seems very together, and that plays their absolute asses off. But that then brings me to my first and perhaps biggest question for Grizz football. Bobby Houck, who I've been around, I think I've, I've been covering him in some capacity, whether it was writing features about his team or covering it as a beat or talking about it on the radio or a combination of all those things. Uh, th- this was Bobby Houck's 11th season over 12 years as the head coach at Montana. And I think that I have been in a media role for nine of those 11 seasons. Coach Alk, no question, talked more highly about this team than any other team that he's coached that I've covered. He praised their work ethic consistently, constantly, throughout all of 2022, not just during this season, but in the offseason and spring, during fall camp, all of it. He praised their toughness effusively. He spoke of the great admiration he had for them, and he also talked about 
the amount of enjoyment he got from being around this team. My And you just heard Nate Dolan in hour number one, a guy who was a standout on the Grizz in the early 90s when they were uh, first laying the foundation for what was an epic run between 93 and 2009 where the Grizz won, uh, I think, 16 out of 17 Big Sky Conference championships, maybe even 17 in a row. And they made the playoffs 17 times, which was certainly a record, 17 times in a row. But you talked about Nate, or you heard Nate talk about, excuse me, how close those teams were and how that was sort of the, the deciding factor was their, their love and admiration for each other. But here's my biggest question about Grizz football. I, I think there's no doubt that they work incredibly hard. I think there's no doubt that they're incredibly well prepared. I think there's no doubt that they're tough. I think there's no doubt that Bobby Houck had as much fun and got as much enjoyment out of coaching this group of guys as anybody he's ever coached. I believe him when he says that. My question is, what if that's not enough? That used to be the absolute overwhelming, undeniable factor in college football. And I still think it's unbelievably important. And the fact that the Grizz have it means they got something that most teams in the country don't have. They have that. But I don't know if it's enough. I think you still need something else. What is that? We'll see. But here's what Bobby Houck had to say about this season as a whole and why these guys were so enjoyable to coach. A lot of great stuff this season. Incredibly good at times and then and then not as good a few times too. So really proud of this team. They, they competed hard, played really hard every time out. I mean, every single time out. Looking back on the season a little bit, really enjoyed it. Enjoyed being around them. As I've said, you guys are probably tired of me. Uh, saying it, but I'm going to say it one more time. Really, really enjoyed this team a lot. You know, I thought playing four of the top five teams in the country on the road over a seven-week period was a little bit extreme, and, and I think that took a took its toll on us a little bit. Beyond that, you know, it was a good year, and, and uh, I, en- I enjoyed it. Bobby, if you could describe this year and this team in one word, what would it be and why? Uh, competitive. Oh, and Why? Well, that's not one word. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, probably go back to what I just said. They, they went out and they they were they competed hard every time out. I mean, it, it's it's rewarding as a football guy to watch these guys play and the way they approach the way they approach the preparation, the way they play the game, the way they compete. It's it's rewarding. You mentioned that you did have times when it was incredibly good. When it was incredibly good, what were what were the Montana Grizzlies doing well? I think playing. Well, in all three phases, when it doing you know running the ball, stopping the run, winning the turnover battle, all those things, playing good in special teams, playing well in the special teams. Yeah, when we're doing that, we're hard to beat. And, and just on the other side of the coin, what we, how would you describe when you when it wasn't going as well as maybe you expected or wanted? Well, it's exactly the opposite. You know, not not stopping the run, not not running the ball well enough, not generating enough points or first downs, not getting off the field on third down. I mean, it's all the the usual suspects. When you look back on the year, you obviously mentioned some of the things that you didn't do well. How do you improve upon some of those areas moving forward when you take more of a bigger look at it? Yeah, practice. That's how you improve. Practice. Get better at football by playing it. Bobby Houck on uh, his evaluation of the season. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. It's our Houck Highlights. It's presented by Ryan Holloway and Miller Law, your Montana attorney's and again, what I'm saying is there's so many things that go into making an elite 
and I'm talking elite, elite. Being a, for better or worse, being a top 10, top 12 football program, a perennial playoff team, is absolutely good enough for most FCS football programs in the country. It's never going to be good enough for Montana, for better or for worse, because of the the shrine that is Washington Grizzly Stadium, because of the unbelievable winning tradition, because of seven national championship games in 14 years, 17 straight Big Sky titles, all these different things. Anything less than a Big Sky championship, anything less than a deep playoff run, anything less than truly contending for a national title is not going to be enough from the expectation of people like us who sit in these seats evaluating this stuff for a living. It's never. It's not going to be enough internally. It's not going to be enough externally. It's just not going to be enough. But when you talk about how does Montana close the gap, most of the things that everybody else in the country doesn't have, Montana's got. So that means they just need to tweak the little things. You know, it's it's not these grandioso, crazy, big problems that Grizz football has. It's taking care of the little things because sometimes the Titanic hits the iceberg and it's a catastrophe. But most times the ship sinks because of 70 little holes in the bottom of the ship, not because you hit the iceberg. And so that's why if you do have, I mean, if this really is, Bobby Houck's favorite team, the one that's the most together, the one that works the hardest, that's the toughest, all that stuff. Okay, if all those things are true, and I believe him when he says that those are his beliefs, then what was missing? The missing is the stubbornness. The the missing is the inability to, to transform on the fly. It's the inability to make adjustments when your when your pregame plan isn't completely fluid and isn't exactly what you need it to be, how do you pivot? How do you make flexible, malleable decisions within the heat of battle? I think those are the little things that that Montana has to look at. Other factors that I thought made this uh, Grizz football season maybe fail to live up to expectations? The schedule. But again, you can't blame it on the schedule because the schedule is what it is. It's an unchangeable, it's an uncontrollable you got to control what you can control. That's all you can control. And uh, you got to get back. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, sure, you had to play Sac State, Weber State, Montana State all on the road. To truly compete for a national title, that doesn't matter because they got to play the Grizz, period. That's that's the thing. That's, that's where Montana needs to get back to, where things like us playing multiple of the top teams on the road – it doesn't affect us. Here's Bobby Halk on the schedule and also how close he thinks Montana might be. That was unique. I don't, I've been actually thinking about that a little bit over the years. I don't ever remember a, a stretch like that. I mean, that's the way it goes. There's not much you can, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, but it's it's what you're faced with and you have to, you have to go win them. Some of them we didn't. Coach, you mentioned seeing, what, three, four, five of the top teams in the country. What did you learn from seeing those teams What's the gap between Montana and those teams? Well, it depends on the game, you know. So that that's a little bit broad. If you could point that down a little for me. I'd well, I guess to start with last week, then uh, North Dakota State, I mean, obviously the, the team that has won it all nine out of the last ten years. So um, what do you think they have that's maybe different than everybody else? Well, they're really, really good up front. We gave up four big runs in that game. I watched the film. Can't do that. 
but beyond that, it's not that far apart. I mean, watching the film, I'm I'm encouraged watching it, frankly. Yeah. Now, some people might say that that's just Coach Alk trying to explain things away, but I actually agree with his assertion there that they're not that far away. But that's what I'm saying is where was Montana on par or superior to North Dakota State? On the perimeter. But they don't play the style of football, at least in this last iteration, especially offensively, to accentuate those mismatches. Nuanas now are Hauk highlights presented by Ryan Holloway and Miller. Ryan Holloway and Miller. Uh, your Montana attorneys, thanks to Paul Ryan, Nate Holloway, and Angie Miller for their friendship and continued partnership here uh, with us here at Nuanas. Now, other factors that I thought maybe knocked the Grizz off their course, which was uh, a national championship expectation entering the season, or at least a Big Sky Conference title expectation and a, a national championship, true contention for a national championship, which I I, did, I do not think Montana was truly in contention for the national championship. Last week watching the FCS quarterfinals, I thought every team that I watched last week was better than Montana. Holy Cross, Montana would have been a pretty good game. But, you know, until they, I mean, the way that the two-back system for Sac State or the plus-one run game for Montana State diced the Montana defense, but not just once, multiple times, and the fact that they were able to say that they knew exactly what was happening and they also had no ability to change it, that, to me, is what I'm talking about. That's the stubbornness that keeps them from taking the next step. You have to understand that in modern-day football, it doesn't make you soft to, to have flexibility within the scope of your game plan. It doesn't make you soft to run personnel groups to play chess with the opponent. That's the whole thing is that Montana doesn't want to play chess. They want to play knock you out. <laughs> they want to play punch you in the face and then beat you into the corner and then beat you until you're dead. That's what they want to that's the style they want to play. That's their defensive style is to dictate everything. When they do it, they're so fun to watch. When they don't do it, it's maddening because you're sitting here thinking, like in the cat game for example. The cats are seriously sitting out here rolling with two tight ends and a fullback. You can screenshot the pre-snap there's not a receiver in the screen. They don't have a guy outside the hashes. Yet the Grizz are sitting here with a three-man front and a, a, a basically a two-and-a-half-man box, and then they got three safeties up here. I understand their premise, get off blocks and tackle. That's fine, but when the, the offense has not a one-person advantage, but a three-to-four-person advantage at the point of attack... I mean, not even Superman could get through that. So I just think you got to figure out a way to, to to get through it. Other things I thought held the Grizz back, injuries, obviously, but that's also a part of it for everybody. And if you're going to proclaim depth as the strength of your team, then you got to have it across the board. And I think that, you know, to me, it's 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 personnel and lack of, lack of flexibility. That's the thing that the, the Grizz are lacking. And when, it, when I talk about personnel, it's only at two spots. I mean... <laughs> They're, they're a million players deep on defense. Like, when you go watch them during fall camp and they roll their defensive units, the threes are in there making plays, and you're like, that team, that, that, that string right there, the third string, is a good big sky defense, let alone the second string, let alone the first string. I mean, they have so many guys defensively, and they have a lot of great guys at the offensive skill as well. But they have... No depth on the off. First of all, their starting offensive line is 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 above average at best, 
And and they have may, maybe one guy you consider truly elite. Hunter McGinnis was first team all league this year. I still think he's one step away from being absolutely elite, but he's he's a good player. Everybody else a work in progress for sure. I mean, AJ Forbes above average center. Um, I thought Brandon Casey had an average at best year at right tackle. I actually thought Journey Grimsrud was one of the, the most compelling guys on the offensive front late in the season after he replaced Liam Brown. And Chris Walker is a specimen. I mean, he is he is a mountain of a man. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't want to trifle with him. I mean, he is a scary individual, even in press conferences. But he's also a guy that hasn't played offensive line at the D1 level except for 10 games this year, or 11, whatever they ended up playing, 13 games, whatever. When he gets his hands on you, he's pretty good, but his technique is, regardless, they got to have more depth on the offensive line. they got to have better front-line offensive linemen if they want to be where, where these teams that are still playing are at. But more importantly, if you're going to have a million different guys that can play in the defensive secondary and at the linebacker and up front on the D-line and at receiver, how can you only have one quarterback? And again, I know that injuries can always be an excuse for a team, but you got to have a better option at backup quarterback. I mean, when Lucas Johnson went out against Sacramento State, it torpedoed Montana's season. They were never able to get back on track because they didn't have a viable option at backup quarterback. And then probably the last thing I thought that impacted Montana this last season was the expectation. And they don't really like to acknowledge this, but I thought that there was this, I mean, there was this omnipresent narrative about the Grizz that if they were to run the table through the first six games of the year, they'd take a head of steam down to Sacramento and if they can get that one on the road, look out. We'll see where we can go from here, but look out. Well, they lost Idaho instead, and then all of a sudden they lost three in a row. Here's Bobby Howe, Calc highlights on how expectations impacted Montana. How did this year and the way it finished compare to your expectations before the season began? Well, I don't really have any before the season. I expect to play the next game and, and win it. You know, big picture. I, I expect to win them all every year. You guys were picked to win the league this year. So um, do you think that affected the mentality of the team coming into the year at all or during the year? I hope not. I wouldn't think so. As I said, we're kind of week to week. So I hope not. Sometimes we make it a lot more complicated than it really is. Maybe it is just as simple as that. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Okay, enough about all the stuff that went wrong. How about some stuff into the future now? We're closing the book on the Grizz football season from 2022. We will talk about it, I'm sure, throughout the next nine months. But we're done uh, hammering home all the different things that we think are missing. I think, though, the fact is they got a bunch of stuff that nobody else has got. The things that they're missing are easy fixes. All they got to do is look in the mirror, realize it, make the changes, and let's roll. I think that Montana has systematic and in, in, entrenched advantages that nobody else has. And more than anything, they got you. They got the people out there listening to this show that are obsessed with Grizz football. And that's something that makes college football uh, so fun, so compelling. And uh, for us here in Montana, almost like a religion every single Saturday. Let's turn the page, though. How Highlights presented by Ryan Holloway and Miller. Now it's recruiting time. Here is about three minutes of Bobby Houck talking about Montana's upcoming recruiting season, including plenty of talk about the NCAA transfer portal. Your last bit here on how Highlights presented by Ryan Holloway and Miller, your Montana attorneys. And when the season comes to an end, what are some of the first few postseason tasks you're taking care of or what's your schedule kind of look like on a daily as you transition over? Well, you get immediately into recruiting. we got a signing day coming up in a, two weeks from Wednesday. 
We've got uh, finals week next week, so we've got to we've got to get our ourselves back in line academically and compete for grades next week because that's obviously a, important in this program. So recruiting school for the guys that are coming back, get them freshened up, get ready to get ready to go train. And then when you mentioned recruiting, the way the transfer portal is these days, do you have to do any of that in house? Is it kind of changed the way that you guys do your recruiting? in-house meeting like having conversations with the guys about how they're feeling about you know sticking with the program uh, you know there's a lot of different philosophy on that but i'm kind of if you don't want to be here get out we've got a great place and a great team and it's a special deal so if it's not for you good we'll get guys in here that that want to be when it comes to kind of the board and seeing like what you might need in certain position groups are there are there certain uh groups that come to mind as far as that's where we're going to look for in the portal uh not really the more good players you have on your team the better you're going to be as always. How has the the portal maybe changed from when it first kind of got going to now? I imagine there's like just obviously more people. And what have you learned as far as having to navigate that as a staff? Well, in terms of the, the transfer portal is just a clearinghouse where people declare their transferring. So it's just, it's, a, it's an information site. The way, one of the ways it's changed is there's no ineligibility in terms of transferring you don't have to sit that's the main way it's changed so somebody said to me the the uh the, the three most populous places in america are la new york and the transfer portal that was today's conversation but it's a piece of it, it it's not that different than than jc recruiting 25 years ago i mean you're gonna go um fill needs that you don't think your freshman can answer or you know, you get guys flunk out of school or leave or whatever, then you probably fill it with, with more veteran kids. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, it's changed, but it there's more guys available, I guess, to transfer. You don't have to just look at the junior colleges. And then you mentioned getting, you know, more veteran guys coming in to fill roles that you need. On the flip side of that, do you feel like there's any downside to those guys having not, you know, come up through your program and built with you? How do you look at that? Well, it's sort of what I was talking about a second ago. You got to get the right guys. So there's really no downside if you have the right guy. It's an age-old debate, coaching and recruiting. You know, it's been going on since since I started coaching. You know, how much of that do you do? I mean, there are teams and there are teams. There are Division One football teams that take no high school kids at, at this juncture. I, I think that's outlandish. But there are people that are doing it that way. Um, we're not going to be that way. The way things have changed, and I'm going back to Sean's question, the way things have changed with all these new rules is you are now not recruiting, generally speaking, across the landscape of college football, all of us. You're not recruiting for the future. You're recruiting for to put a team on the field next August. That's it. That's the, that's the situation we've all been placed in. And the next follow-up question should be, do I like it? And the answer is no, but that's that's irrelevant. I actually see growth when Bobby Houck says that, though. That I, this, if, if, if you reconcile yourself with the fact that if you don't like it and you can't change it, it doesn't matter if you like it or not, you can't change it. If he acknowledges that, it's a good thing moving forward. I mean, this was the first time that Montana really tried to implement the go get them, go play philosophy. And I'm not saying that was that big of a factor in their season, but certainly there's a first time for everything. And uh, the first time is always the worst time. Duan is now ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television and ESPN MT app. That's our Hauk highlights presented by Ryan Holloway and Miller. Ryan Holloway and Miller Law Firm has established a strong, well-earned reputation with their respected attorneys in criminal defense and personal injury. 
Case evaluation is free and the phone line is open 24-7. Ryan Holloway and Miller, your Montana attorneys. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. 